Chapter 1 of The Bruised Reed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Bruised Reed by Richard Sibbs. Revised by Banner of Truth. Chapter 1 The Reed and the Bruising. The prophet Isaiah, being lifted up and carried with the wing of a prophetical spirit, passes over all the time between him and the appearing of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Seeing with the eye of prophecy and with the eye of faith Christ is present, he presents him, in the name of God, to the spiritual eye of others in these words. Behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. Isaiah 42, 1-3 These words are alleged by Matthew as fulfilled now in Christ. Matthew 12, 18-20 in them are propounded, first, the calling of Christ to his office, secondly, the manner in which he carries it out. Christ's Calling God calls him here his servant. Christ was God's servant in the greatest piece of service that ever was, a chosen and a choice servant, who did and suffered all by commission from the Father. In this we may see the sweet love of God to us in that he counts the work of our salvation by Christ his greatest service, and in that he will put his only beloved Son to that service. He might well prefix it with behold, to raise up our thoughts to the highest pitch of attention and admiration. In time of temptation, apprehensive consciences look so much to the present trouble they are in, that they need to be roused up to behold him in whom they may find rest for their distressed souls. In temptations it is safest to behold nothing but Christ, the true brazen serpent, the true Lamb of God, that taketh away the sin of the world. John 1.29 This saving object has a special influence of comfort to the soul, especially if we look not only on Christ, but upon the Father's authority and love in Him. For in all that Christ did and suffered as mediator, we must see God in him reconciling the world unto himself. 2 Corinthians 5.19 What a support to our faith is this, that God the Father, the party offended by our sins, is so well pleased with the work of redemption. And what a comfort is this, that, seeing God's love rests on Christ, as well pleased in him, we may gather that he is as well pleased with us, if we be in Christ. For his love rests in a whole Christ, in Christ mystical, as well as Christ natural, because he loves him and us with one love. Let us, therefore, embrace Christ, and in him God's love, and build our faith safely on such a Savior that is furnished with so high a commission. See here, for our comfort, a sweet agreement of all three persons. The Father gives a commission to Christ, the Spirit furnishes and sanctifies to it, and Christ himself executes the office of a mediator. Our redemption is founded upon the joint agreement of all three persons of the Trinity. How Christ Pursues His Calling This is here said to be done modestly without making a noise or raising dust by any pompous coming, as princes are accustomed to do. His voice shall not be heard. His voice indeed was heard, but what voice? Come unto me, 
all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Matthew 11:28. He cried, but how? Ho, every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. Isaiah 55:1. And as his coming was modest, so it was mild, which is set down in these words: A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench. We see, therefore, that the condition of those with whom he was to deal was that they were bruised reeds and smoking flax, not trees, but reeds, and not whole, but bruised reeds. The church is compared to weak things, to a dove amongst the fowls, to a vine amongst the plants, to sheep amongst the beasts, to a woman which is the weaker vessel. God's children are bruised reeds before their conversion, and oftentimes after. Before conversion, all, except such as, being brought up in the church, God has delighted to show himself gracious to from their childhood, are bruised reeds, yet in different degrees, as God sees fit. And as there are differences with regard to temperament, gifts, and manner of life, so there are in God's intention to use men in the time to come, for usually he empties such of themselves, and makes them nothing, before he will use them in any great services. What it is to be bruised. The bruised reed is a man that for the most part is in some misery, as those were that came to Christ for help, and by misery he is brought to see sin as the cause of it. For, whatever pretenses sin makes, they come to an end when we are bruised and broken. He is sensible of sin and misery, even unto bruising, and, seeing no help in himself, is carried with restless desire to have supply from another, with some hope, which a little raises him out of himself to Christ, though he dare not claim any present interest of mercy. This spark of hope, being opposed by doubtings and fears rising from corruption, makes him as smoking flax, so that both these together, a bruised reed and smoking flax, make up the state of a poor distressed man. This is such a one as our Saviour Christ terms poor in spirit, Matthew 5.3, who sees his wants, and also sees himself indebted to divine justice. He has no means of supply from himself or the creature, and thereupon mourns, and, upon some hope of mercy, from the promise and examples of those that have obtained mercy, is stirred up to hunger and thirst after it. THE GOOD EFFECTS OF BRUISING this bruising is required before conversion, that so the spirit may make way for himself into the heart by leveling all proud high thoughts, and that we may understand ourselves to be what indeed we are by nature. We love to wander from ourselves and to be strangers at home, till God bruises us by one cross or another, and then we begin to think and come home to ourselves with the prodigal. Luke 15:17. It is a very hard thing to bring a dull and an evasive heart to cry with feeling for mercy. Our hearts, like criminals, until they be beaten from all evasions, never cry for the mercy of the judge. Again, this bruising makes us set a high price upon Christ. Then the gospel becomes the gospel indeed. Then the fig leaves of morality will do us no good. And it makes us more thankful, and, from thankfulness, more fruitful in our lives. For what makes many so cold and barren, but that bruising for sin never endeared God's grace to them? Likewise, this stealing of God establishes us the more in His ways, having had knocks and bruisings in our own ways. This is often the cause of relapses and apostasy, 
because men never smarted for sin at the first. They were not long enough under the lash of the law. Hence this inferior work of the Spirit in bringing down high thoughts, Second Corinthians 10.5, is necessary before conversion. And, for the most part, the Holy Spirit, to further the work of conviction, joins with it some affliction, which, when sanctified, has a healing and purging power. After conversion we need bruising so that reeds may know themselves to be reeds and not oaks. Even reeds need bruising, by reason of the remainder of pride in our nature, and to let us see that we live by mercy. Such bruising may help weaker Christians not to be too much discouraged when they see stronger ones shaken and bruised. Thus Peter was bruised when he wept bitterly, Matthew 26:75. This reed, till he met with this bruise, had more wind in him than pith, when he said, Though all forsake thee, I will not, Matthew 26:33. The people of God cannot be without these examples. The heroic deeds of those great worthies do not comfort the church so much as their falls and bruises do. Thus David was bruised until he came to a free confession, without guile of spirit. Psalm 32, 3-5 Nay, his sorrows did rise in his own feeling unto the exquisite pain of breaking of bones. Psalm 51, 8 Thus Hezekiah complains that God had broken his bones as a lion. Isaiah 38.13 Thus the chosen vessel, Paul, needed the messenger of Satan to buffet him, lest he should be lifted up above measure. 2 Corinthians 12.7 Hence we learn that we must not pass too harsh judgment upon ourselves or others when God exercises us with bruising upon bruising. There must be a conformity to our head, Christ, who was bruised for us, Isaiah 53, 5, that we may know how much we are bound unto him. Ungodly spirits, ignorant of God's ways in bringing his children to heaven, censure broken-hearted Christians as miserable persons, whereas God is doing a gracious, good work with them. It is no easy matter to bring a man from nature to grace, and from grace to glory. So unyielding and intractable are our hearts. End of chapter 1